0: So I grew up um, with an undiagnosed panic disorder and I suffered um, great exquisite distress pretty much every single day of my life. It was organized around separation. So Mm -hmm. it was anytime I had to leave my mother, I would panic. As I was growing up, I knew there was something wrong with me. And I knew it because it interfered with my everyday life in ways I watched my friends and my siblings not be bothered. You know, so my childhood was really filled with a lot of dread and chaos and confusion and, you know, misattunement and misapprehension. But then I had this realization that it was harder for me to live my life avoiding everything. And it would be easier if I stayed alive to face every single thing I feared.
1: Welcome to Med Circles. It's all in your head podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Colbeth, and it's great to be with you. Today, we are going to be talking about panic disorder with Amanda Stern. Amanda grew up with an undiagnosed panic disorder and was plagued with the fear that her friends and family would be taken from her or pass away. She detailed this experience in her memoir, Little Panic, Dispatches from an Anxious Life. Her fiction, nonfiction, and poetry have appeared in, among other places, the New York Times and the New York Times Magazine. Amanda is also a mental health advocate, speaker, and advisory board member for Bring Change to Mind. She is the author of the novel, The Long Haul, and 11 books for children written under pseudonyms. Her weekly newsletter, How to Live, draws on her personal struggles and offers the best of what she's learned from decades of inquiry. Amanda is an inspiration to so many, and we are so excited she took time out of her busy schedule to chat with us. Amanda, welcome to It's All in Your Head. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Well, we are very happy to have you. This is a topic that our audience uh, definitely wants to learn more about, as do I, Uh, we always do. And it's something I feel like has become so prevalent um, or at least more diagnosed than usual in Mm -hmm. in this day and age. So we're just really pumped to listen to your experience. I think what's super helpful, at least it is for me, is context. And that usually starts around childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people underestimate just how perceptive, Children are, and when they know maybe they aren't feeling right or something isn't really well, they are often dismissed. And and I think sometimes they're more honest than mm-hmm. a lot of adults. So I think it would be super helpful if you could share with our audience sort of you know how you grew up and and what childhood was like in the sense of discovering um, uh, what it was like to struggle with this anxiety.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, well. I, I First, I will say that I've never experienced life without it. Yeah. Um, I was so young. I was um, probably still in a crib when I first experienced uh, anxiety or panic or whatever it was called, whatever it's called when you're an infant. I think it's it's called something else. But yeah, so I grew up um, with an undiagnosed panic disorder and I suffered um great, exquisite distress pretty much every single day of my life. I maybe had a week off here and there Mm. where, um, I would be released from the like phenomenal dread that was living inside my body at all times. And it was organized around separation. So Mm -hmm. it was anytime I had to leave my mother. I would panic and I had to leave my mother all the time. Right. I had to go to school in the morning. I had to go to my father's every other weekend. Yeah. And this is starting at age two. You know, I was very, very young when my parents separated. And, I, you know, I was too young to be separating from my mom to go to my father's every For other sure. weekend. But it was a totally different time. And, yes. you know, um, I don't even know if the word anxiety was on anyone's lips. It was definitely not in the ether. Right. Um, right. You know, so so as I was growing up, I knew there was something wrong with me. And I knew it because it interfered with my everyday life in ways I watched my friends and my siblings not be bothered. Right. You know, by the same things that, that really um, incapacitated me. So. Yep. I knew that I was suffering or struggling with something that other people weren't, and there was no name for it. And, um, the, the trouble with being little, yep. um, being a child and having pain, mental pain, invisible pain yep. is that your ability for, um, uh, emotional awareness is um, exceeds your capacity for language. Mm. So, so well, you're, you're, li- you're living in this cognitive dissonance yeah. where um, you're holding onto something that is monstrous. It's so big. You just don't have the capability or the capacity to express it in any way verbally. So what's happening is that adults around you begin to assume and guess on your behalf Mm. most most usually they are incorrect and i actually will say that this morning
1: Mm.
0: i ran into an acquaintance of mine in the dog park and he was Mm -hmm. with his daughter and he was telling me that he was writing um little books for her to make life easier for um him and his wife as parents and I was like, that's amazing. So wow. give me an example. And he said, yeah. well, I'm writing a book about um, how to get excited for bedtime and how to look forward to bedtime because she doesn't like to go to bed. And so um, I'm, making, I'm making a book where she's just, you know, everything is exciting. And I was like, that's, that's great. Um, I, I wonder, though, if you might be leaving something out. Um, because perhaps you're assuming that she doesn't want to go to bed because it's boring, Mm. which is not really a reason that kids don't want to go to bed. It's usually uh, about something else.
1: Right. Great um, point.
0: So I see this a lot with parents is that they assume something. Sure. And, uh, but they're not assuming it from the child's point of view. They're assuming it from the adult's point of view right. so i suggested that he think about whether his daughter didn't want to go to bed because she didn't want to miss out on anything or she didn't want to separate and if that were the case then perhaps the angle of yeah. the book should be inclusive of other you know maybe five things and see which one she relates to yeah. And then focus the book on that. I see that a lot, and I, I, you know, when I was when I was growing up, a lot of things were assumed on my behalf. Yes, and um, one of those assumptions was that I had a learning. We called it a learning disability when I was mm-hmm. growing up, but that I had learning challenges, and I I did have learning challenges, mm-hmm. and I had learning challenges because I was having panic attacks, right. and. When you're having a panic attack, you can't learn. No. So no. Um, so what they did for me was they ended up sending me for testing to see, mm-hmm. to identify the learning challenges. However, when you have a panic disorder and it is organized around being tested and separating and all that, you don't do well on tests. No,
1: that's so. got to exacerbate the living hell out of it.
0: Yeah, it made it worse. So, um, so, you know, so my childhood was really filled with a lot of dread and chaos and confusion and, you know, misattunement and misapprehension and, um, you know, and it wasn't anyone's fault. It's not like, you know, my, my parents weren't raised to be attuned emotionally. They grew up in the 50s, you know, so yes, yes. they grew up with, you know, people taking care of them, right? You know, other people, so, sure. um, so yeah, so that is, um my very long-winded answer about, um, what my childhood felt like.
1: No, long-winded. No, no, that, thank you for sharing that, that, that is super helpful. So during that time, you're experiencing all this and for our audience, obviously, I, I really want for you to read, Amanda's book and you will get such an unbelievable, um, you'll really be able to feel what it was like, um, you know, experiencing this. And and e- Amanda, I mean, you're such a great writer. I, re- I had like anxiety, which I can get easily to begin with, yeah. but that just tells me what a great, you know, it, it's so descriptive. And so as you're feeling this, is yeah. there anybody around that's kind of like you know, geez, I'm maybe a little concerned. Like, you know, maybe Amanda's struggling, and we want to. Uh, I want to be able to help her. Obviously, as we know, a lot of people, certain generations, don't necessarily have the tools right. um, for that. But was there anyone like, geez, I, we got to try something, or um, anyone that kind of like sweeped in and and tried to alleviate? some of the anxiety, maybe not successfully, but they gave it a shot. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I think that my mother, um, really wanted to alleviate my pain. Um, but because she didn't know anything about anxiety Mm. or, you know, mental illness or panic or anything, she did all the wrong things. Sure. And it's not, again, not her fault. No, it's, she did, um, what she thought would be helpful, which was to remove the obstacles from my life. Okay. So instead of helping me to face my fear, she removed my fear so that I wouldn't have to face it. And that made things so much worse for me because what it does when you allow someone to, um, to sort of get away with it and sure. or you know, or or not have to f- deal with the looming thing they have to do, the big presentation, the going away, is that it it sort of validates for the person who is scared that that they yeah. are right to be scared, that the world is too hard for them to handle.
1: Yeah, I and could see. If
0: the world weren't too hard for them to handle, they would be able to face this thing with some help. So no one helped me to face anything and, and and because they didn't know how to do it themselves. So instead these things were, were removed, you know, sleepovers, for instance, Yeah.
1: I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Oh, me neither. Growing yeah. up, no way. My mother knew she'd be getting a call. It may be around, you know, like the ass crack of dawn, yeah. and it, you know, or even before then. But yes, I, I, when I read that in the book, yeah. I identified with that a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had one and I had yeah. to come home. But, you know, if there were birthday party slumber parties, or mm-hmm. anything like that, and I would say, you know, I can't do it. And there was never, um, i never a period of time where she would, or anyone would be like, you can do it. Uh, and okay. here's how, yeah. and let's take it slow and let's break it down. And, you know, so right. me, no one helped me to manage, um, my emotions or, you know, right. my emotions in the face of hardship. And yep. so my life just became harder and harder and smaller and smaller because of that.
1: Yeah. And when did you feel like, was there a point where you felt like you have such knowledge of this now and, and how that pattern was set in and why, and it's totally understandable is there, was there a point sort of as you grew up and, you know, as we become adults, was there a point where you were like, okay, like, some of this stuff isn't getting removed. Was there sort of like, oh man, is the jig up here? Like, uh, is there anything that prompted? Um, Because obviously you've taken such, you have such agency and you've taken such control. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there was a point where you were like, okay, uh, it's been nice that all this stuff obviously not, well, you know, nice in the respect where it was helpful in the immediate moment. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Was there ever a point where you were like, okay, this is getting like really difficult now? That yeah. I have to kind of manage this myself.
0: Yes. So, right before I was diagnosed, I went twenty five years.
1: And I know I, know. I, yeah. I just I yeah. yes
0: wow. brutal, really brutal. So <sighs> when I was, you know, and I I'm going to be honest. I've been saying for yep. years and years and years that it was twenty five, but I may be wrong. Oh, okay. I may, I may have been older and I may have been like 26. Sure. I don't think I was 27, but I was either 25 or 26. And anyway, I, um, I had, um, I, it just got worse and worse. My, my anxiety got so bad that I couldn't leave my house. Right. And so I spent three weeks in my apartment unable to, Uh, even really open the window without, and you know, I could open the window, but I couldn't stick my head out. Right. Because I, I I just, I don't even remember why. I just remember it being like, this air is going to kill me. Right. You know, I need the air in my house. That's that's safe air. Everything was safe and dangerous, safe and dangerous. And I, you know, couldn't have anyone come over. I thought they would like breathe up all the available air. And it just got to be a point where you know, even thinking about leaving my house would, would send me to the bathroom to yep. throw up in, in fear. And, um, I just, I, I was sort of at the end, you know, and I yes. thought, yes, I, th- this is not a way to live. I can't live like this. It's yep. too hard to yep. live my life, avoiding everything. Yeah. And so I decided that that was it. I, you know, I, I felt like, so I, you know, I'm going to just end my life. I feel like this is right, right. the right time and right. I have no other options. I don't know what else to do. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I always have this weird sort of suspicion or paranoia that I was crazy and right. that. My mother knew I was crazy and was just keeping it from
1: me. Right, right.
0: And I think that's very common in people who have a
1: long-term
0: undiagnosed illness.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And so I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call my mother first, and I'm gonna I wanna hear her say what's what the name of this thing is. Right. And then I'm done. And then I'm gonna end my life. And yep. So I called her and um she was like you know I don't like the way you sound Mm -hmm. and um so she sent a um a cab over to me to go to her house and when I was in the cab um you know I had all this he like put the lock down and I like panicked that he was going to kidnap me of course (laughs) and then murder me and then I was like wait a minute I why am I scared I want to die And then I was like, well, maybe I don't want to die if I'm afraid this guy's going to murder me. Wouldn't I want him to murder me if I want is Isn't it easier? Right, right. I had this whole like (laughs) weird like spiral of epiphanies that was like, well, I guess I don't want to die. And then I thought, um, but then I had this realization that it was harder for me to live my life avoiding everything And it would be easier if I stayed alive to face every single thing I feared. It would be easier for me to face my fears than to live life avoiding them. Wow. And that was my realization in the back of that cab on the way to my mom's house. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live my life walking towards my fears because I know ultimately, that'll make my life bigger. And I'll feel stronger. And I'll grow. Right. And the next morning, my mom sent me to her therapist. Yep. And in
1: 10 minutes, he diagnosed me. And wow. Yeah. So, Was so- that a relief? Did you feel a sense of relief? Or were you still a little like, I'm baffled? At- no, it- I-, I felt relieved. I felt like, I, I felt like
0: that you have just said my name Yeah. like I've been searching yeah. for my name and you've said my name yes. and so yeah I felt it was very like oh my god that's it but right. my confusion was that my whole life I was looking for the name and I thought yeah. I had this mistaken belief that as soon as I heard the name right I would be like cured that the name was the remedy. Was the, right re- And yes. it isn't the remedy. It's just right. the name of yep. the condition for right. which you need to find remedies.
1: It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the in- exploration. Right.
0: So, but it was, um, you know, it was major and it made a lot of, it put everything into place and made a lot of sense. And it made a lot of sense to everyone around me who I sure. told and, you know, made a sense to my mother and my father, just to everyone. Yeah. And, um, So it was really a revelation and it was also sort of embarrassing because, you know, when you're like, I do. Yeah. You know, know, when you're just like, I know the name, what is the word I'm looking for? What is that word? And it's like, you can't come up with the word and the word's like epiphany and someone else says, and you're like, yes, right. Not like that. Like, oh my God. Yes. Panic. Duh. Yes. That's the word I've been looking for. Yes. And I've been like circling around it without being able to, you know, come up with
1: it. Well, and yes. And a lot of times I think, you know, and, and this is where ignorance, you know, as anyone who's, you know, both of us, we've been diagnosed with conditions. There's a lot of ignorance around yes. certain things. And people make a major presumption that there are only certain situations in which a panicky feeling should arise and if you feel right. panic in other situations that's you know um looked upon as like not the right way to handle it or mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm certainly preaching to the choir here right yeah. with with how that that's um how society thinks about that and kind of deals with that mm-hmm. but It is truly, and this is what I really want, you know, the audience and and people watching to take away is this isn't like a little tightness in somebody's chest. Like, oh, I have to get up in front of like 10 colleagues or, oh, you know, that's a natural physiological Mm -hmm. reaction to something. But but panic disorder is not that. It's like the equivalent of calling a headache, you know, migraine, just a headache. Do you want me to explain panic disorder? Yes. Okay. yes.
0: So um, a panic, uh, so a panic attack is when you um, have a sort of an oversized reaction yep. to something that is threatening to you, but perhaps not actually literally threatening. Sure. So sure. Um, that's a, a sort of a panic attack from a from the place of someone who has um, an anxiety disorder, someone who yep. who doesn't have any disorder and has a panic attack when they're walking down the street because of an actual danger. So they, right. you know, so someone with, you know, not a disorder right. um, can have a panic attack right. because there's a danger. There's a visual, physical threat yes. and they're panicking due to that threat. Yes. When you have a condition, an anxiety or panic condition, you, yeah you are like, you're like an alarm system that doesn't work. So, you know, an alarm system in your house yep. is supposed to alert you to out to intruders from the outside. Right. But when you have a panic disorder, the alarm system, instead of alerting you to people breaking in, it alerts yep. you to any movement inside the house. So, you know, a dog will pass. Great way to put it. And the alarm will go off. Yep. And so that is a person with a panic disorder. Their alarm is constantly going off as though they are being physically threatened. It feels as though there is an actual, um, literal, life-threatening experience about to happen to you. And it feels that way because physiologically the cascade in your body that is set off is, is biological and can be measured in a doctor's office. Mm -hmm. You can measure it. You can uh, take someone's pulse. You can hear the speed of their heart. You can, their blood pressure goes up. So um, your face gets hot, but beyond the biological physiological um, aspects of panic attack is the mental and emotional aspects of it. And, you know, you do, you feel like you're so alarmed by what's happening inside your body Mm -hmm. and you try to make sense of it, but you can't make, the only sense you can make is that you're dying. Right, right. I'm having a heart attack or I'm about to, yes. So you're in great distress because there's no... And the reason is because it's not synchronous with the experience. It's out of uh, alignment with whatever is happening. So it feels like, oh my God, I'm in this situation right now and my body has decided that I will die or I'm going to have a stroke or a heart attack or it just comes out of nowhere. Yep. And so you're trying to identify what it is that feels unidentifiable. And because your heart is like, pounding and speeding and you feel a fear, an intense yes. life-threatening fear yes. that you're in danger. Yep. You can sometimes separate from your body and float up to the sky. You can feel like you're going to throw up. You can feel like you're going to pass out. You can yes. feel, like you feel like you're that actual regular person walking down the street and someone with a gun comes up to them Yes, um, and says, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to end your life. Oh yeah. It's absolutely
1: terror. It's terrifying.
0: Yeah. So when you have a panic disorder, there's no trigger there, you know, it's a, you panic
1: because you're afraid to panic. Right. That's real. That feeling is, is a real feeling. You can't make it feel unreal, you know, feelings. That's the bitch about feelings. Right.
0: Right, Exactly. But so the actual definition of a panic disorder is panicking in anticipation Mm -hmm. of panicking.
1: So does, do things like exposure therapy Yes. Like, uh, because I'm curious, you know, obviously feeling this way is, is scary and stressful. And, and I'm wondering what types of different therapies or things, and and you're so well read just with your experience um, on this. Are there certain things that you were able to learn or do that at least gave you maybe a little bit of relief or feeling that you're, you know, moving forward? Well,
0: for me, you know, I didn't, I didn't start with the therapy. Yes. So I, I, right. I, things were backward for me. Yes. I started with the exposure therapy by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I started with, I'm just yeah. going to face all my fears and <laughs> like, yeah, you didn't, uh, but, but the I'm a right. very specific person and I advise against being like me because I've quit. Like I quit drugs, cold Turkey. Yeah, I quit me too. Cold turkey, Like it's yes. a way to go. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm very, I'm, 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 because all right, when you have a panic disorder or anxiety, you're, you're usually very concrete. Things yes. are either black or white. They're this or that. It's all or nothing. You're very concrete. So that, it makes sense that I would do something very extreme. It's all mm-hmm. this. So You know, so I did do the things that scared me that I want. So it's not just that I do things that scare me. I want to make this very clear. It's that I, the things I wanted in life scared me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that life. So for instance, I wanted to be on stage, but I had stage fright. And it was so bad that I would throw up just thinking about being on stage. So I if I wanted to be on stage, I had to do it. And I had to face that stage fright and get through it enough to manage to learn how to manage my stage fright so that I could do it. So things like that reading from my book in public, writing a book, publishing a book, all all these things that that Are privileges to do, you know, it's not like, it's not like these are horrible traumas that I, you know, (laughs) I had to do, I had to force myself to do. No, they're extraordinary things. But, but as a person with a panic disorder, they felt terrifying and undoable to me. And so that is what I chose to do is I chose the life I wanted. I chose the life I was afraid to have. Yes. That's what I did. And, but yes, to your question, um, cognitive behavioral therapy is very helpful.
1: Okay. Great. Um,
0: and that's just a, uh, a way to sort of reframe the way that you think about things, the way that you think about things in black and white terms
1: you know oh, it was the most helpful thing to me going yeah. through cbt for me in in my bipolar 2 disorder it it was game changer i think yeah. cbt is is like tried and true
0: yeah it's amazing and i i'm gonna can i recommend a book yes okay. please so um this book just blew my mind and changed my life mm-hmm. and it's got the worst title <laughs> So I just need you to bear with the title and buy the book anyway. Right. I have nothing to do with this book. I've never met this person right. who wrote it. I just like yeah. the book, and I are a little bit married. Yeah. Um, and but the book doesn't know it's married to me. Right. It's called <laughs> the, the Worry Marriage. Yeah. It's called the Worry Cure, uh-huh. and it's by Robert Leahy. L E A H Y. It is okay. Fantastic, and he's a CBT Great. therapist, and. Basically, what it is is it's CBT for you.
1: That's awesome,
0: and it's incredible. So that book is amazing, and then um, and then exposure therapy, which I did on my own.
1: And I, I still, don't Amanda, don't know how that. you did that on your own. It, it it is one of the hardest things, even like uh, being privy to watching mm-hmm. like an exposure therapy session. It it is it is infinitely more difficult when you are witnessing it than one could uh, ever fathom, you know, like I uh, huge.
0: I mean, you know, I think that for people without panic or anxiety, for them to really understand it, they have to think of the thing that scares them the most. Yes. You know, is, is being buried alive. The thing that scares you the most, because that is the, when you feel that in your body, when you feel your greatest fear, yep, that is what people with anxiety and panic feel. yes on a, an average day
1: absolutely. you know,
0: just feeling some anxiety or panic
1: that absolutely i I find it akin. I've had I've had lots of panic attacks before, anxiety is really a, a nice chunk sort of of my mix uh, yeah. on my spectrums. Which, right now, so, yeah. like, it, it is a, it's a, it's a trail mix. Awesome. And I remember thinking to myself at, you know, at the time I was having panic attacks as a teen. And then it wasn't until later when honestly, I thought that this is very random, but I was on a safari in South Africa and I almost I thought I was about to get pounced by two cheetahs that I had like spooked Mm. and they flipped around and they looked at me and I remember like hearing all I could hear. I couldn't hear people. I'm just hearing my heart pound and then I'm feeling the burn, like the sweat, right? It's like, uh, you look like you dumped a puddle on me and I feel like it happened like almost yeah. instantaneously. And afterward, you, <laughs> I made it obviously <laughs> afterward, <laughs> afterward, I remember saying I was with my father and I said, that felt like my first panic attack. Mm. And I had never had a near like almost near death experience. Mm-hmm. But when I tell people that I say, I'm not being dramatic. Right. Like for me having had both, there's a huge parallel to be drawn there with what you are going through in that mm. moment.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've never thought of it in comparison to um, like a near death experience. For me, it
1: felt like that at least but, I remember but, going.
0: I think that's really apt. I think that there's some, perhaps some things missing from it, sure. but it's very, um, there are definitely parallels and similarities because it. It's not that we are, act- I mean, in that case, right. yes, perhaps, perhaps <laughs> with the cheetahs, you actually might've cheated death, Yeah. <laughs> <did but>, <laughs> um, but while it can feel like a near death experience when you're panicking, it, it, that's just the feeling. It's yes. not the fact.
1: No, no. But- and, and I was nailed into my head. Feelings aren't facts. Feelings that's- aren't facts. And I took such solace yes. in that oh, because I, I gave them fact status. For- yeah. I think Forever.
0: that's one of the early things that I learned that helped me so much. And I, because we get so confused, you yes. know, because when you feel things deeply, yes. they feel true. Yes. And how could you, yes. how could they not be true? They're so, you know, potent and extreme. And so, yeah. you know, so you just sort of start buying your, your, you start buying your beliefs. like, like, right. I'm going to give you an example.
1: Yeah.
0: Or the the listeners, an example. Like, let's say you're on a dating app. Mm-hmm. And you, oh. reach out, you reach out to someone <laughs> mm-hmm. and they don't text you back. Yep. That day. And then they Been don't there. text you back the next day. And then yep. you're sort of like, screw you, man. Right. And so you text them the next day like, oh, you know, I'm not pretty enough for you and in that span of time what's happened is you've created an entire story. Yes. That has nothing to do with this other person. Right. It has to right. do with you. Great and point. Your um your own reality which is not reality. It's just your own little, you know, spiraling fantasy in your own little head. Yes. And those are feelings. Yes. And we are when we send that that says, oh, I'm not pretty enough for you. We're mistaking our feelings.
1: Right. Yes. And we
0: need to really be wary of doing that because I've had so many emails to me yep. from people saying, um, so I guess not, huh? Or, and I'm like, I, I actually have right. like 14 jobs, you know? Right. I, mean, I was busy. Not about you. And so, but I understand what's happening to them. Yes. And I Yes. I also understand I don't want to date anyone who is not evolved enough to know that my not responding to them within three days has nothing to do with them. I've never met them. Right. They are right. unknown to me. Right. So it can't have anything to do with them. So, yes. you know, th- anyway, so that to me was a really uh, like a formative yeah. understanding, uh, formative a like template that I learned um, right. and I do to this day and facing my fears I do to this day. Yeah, It's a lifelong endeavor. It's not like a, I'll do this for three months.
1: No. and And it's a shame when expectations, and I say this frequently on the podcast, I think a lot of it, with the frustration with mental health is there's these unrealized expectations right. as if you're going to get cured with a pill and you're going to get cured with one session and then, you know, you confront it and you deal with it and then it's behind you in a rear view, never to be heard from again. And it, you know, it couldn't be wor- that couldn't be a worse or more inaccurate, rip. right? Portrayal. Really? But it's a constant, it's a daily thing in, in, and I'm wondering what what do you do, like maybe on the daily or something regularly where you're like, you know, um, because you you are so successful, you get so much done. I have to believe that you've got like some tips or or things that you do to keep propelling you along the path.
0: I mean, I mean, I don't we don't have there's not enough time for all my tips. Like that is how tippy I am. <laughs> I am um, like one big hack.
1: You know, like, I love that. I I'm love just like, that. My entire life is built upon <laughs> hacks. I love <laughs> because, that. And I mean, we have a term for it now. When the term hack came out, I was oh, like, Yeah,
0: yeah, I was like, Yeah, life hack, give them to me or just take all mine. I have so many. Okay. So, because I'm a writer and a, like a performer sometimes, or I used to be pre pandemic, yep. um, I'm very good at pretending, I'm really good at buying my own. You know, yeah, drinking you
1: know, your own Kool-Aid. I get it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, and let's all right. So this is not um, this is not about anxiety. This is just about um, how like how do I get so much stuff done? Sure. And a lot of it is that like I'm I'm driven to do it. I have a fire in me for it. So I love yeah. it. And it's what I want to be doing. And when people are like, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, I work,
1: right? I'm like, No, that's not fun. And I was like, no but, it is. no, but it is. If you're fortunate enough to, right. feel, yes. So,
0: but there, I don't want to do it all the time. Oh, sure. you know, so sure. what I'll, you know, I'm working on two books right now. I have a weekly newsletter. Yeah. I, I do talks. I do a lot of different things. And so what I'll do is if I'm like, you know, I should really, I haven't published a story in such a long time. I should probably yeah. publish a story. Yeah. Um, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to pretend that I work for me. And that as my own assistant.
1: Yeah.
0: I've been asked by my boss.
1: Like, yeah.
0: I'm my own assistant and my yeah. boss is me. Um, so Amanda has asked me to pick a short story that, could be submitted to magazines yep. to work on it for her just to work <laughs> like on it for her. and because I'm such a people pleaser it works for me because then I can yeah. like be like I, I really want my boss to love like it's a whole mind game but sure but it works it, it works for me Is and, the point? yeah I mean I do it for cleaning my house you know yes. it'll be like I pretend that I am, um, a housekeeper in for someone really, really, really rich and that, um, but if I don't clean the way that this person likes to clean, I'm not going to get my money. And so I, like, I mean, I just am a weirdo. And so I'm doing a million hacks like that, but for anxiety, you know, I've been in therapy for so long, um, talk therapy yep. I've been in for 20 years yeah with the
1: same therapist who oh that's amazing wow that's got to gotta be a record me. oh it is it's goodness oh, it's, yeah
0: it's, it's Ripley's believe it or not it's the whole yeah I'm I'm going in some big getting a trophy you should yeah I mean, I'm, you really I'm, should I'm been nominated for an Oscars I just I'm getting EGOT doing I'm getting EGOT and um, yeah well
1: that's that would be the longest relationship i've ever had with anyone ever (laughs) all
0: right i'm and i'm gonna tell you something i'm actually downplaying it because it's 23 years and i'm just
1: embarrassed you're rounding down until it's 25 we don't even need to worry about that well i'm i'm ending we're ending oh well it's not like you didn't put the time
0: in (laughs) right yeah. I was like, you know, it's been a minute. I think maybe, uh, wind it down. So what's yeah. that like? Because mm-hmm. I've
1: usually just like moved in that, like I've moved States and they can't treat me over state lines. What's mm-hmm. it like? They I'm wondering like if someone, you know, that you've known you've come to know for so long. Um, is it like acrimonious or is it like, we want, we wish you the best, Amanda. Like you're doing great. It's, it's beyond
0: anything like either of those things. She is my mother. Like she raised me, you know, she is, she saved my life. She saved my life. She, she is, she's, she's kind of a miracle. Like I was, I was useless, you know, I was just useless and I didn't know how to do walk down the street without having a panic attack? Yeah. She saved my life. And it was all just sort of talk therapy and you know, it, it's psycho. What's it called? It's not psycho. It's, um, Oh my God. What? Psychodynamic psychodynamic yeah. therapy. Okay. Which is just a fancy name for like talk therapy, sure. uh, but about consciousness and getting to yep. uh, subconscious, exploring the subconscious and unconscious, unconscious and conscious yeah. and all the consciousness. Um, but, um, so no, so it's been amazing. Like wow. the, the whole treatment has been amazing and I've changed uh, entirely uh, and I've recently felt, I felt for like the past year, like I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready yeah. to like, you know, split like be independent from my mother. Sure. You know, sure. And really, I have that relationship with her where I like, I get annoyed with her. Like I would, my mother. Right. And right. She asks me technical, like questions about technology. Like my mother, <laughs> like she's my mother. And totally. so I just was finally like, I, I brought it up and I was like, I, I feel a little bit like I might be ready to like, try the world on my own. Right. And she was like, Okay, well, let's talk about it. So yeah. we talked about it, and then she was like, "You know, I do think you are ready too, but I let's let's have a period of two months where yeah. we sort of talk about everything you've learned,
1: yeah, and
0: make sure that you know you know how to apply the essentials,
1: yeah, and
0: um, so we're winding." we're finishing totally in July and oh,
1: that's
0: it's awesome. every session has been kind of amazing where, wow. you know, it's almost like, she'll be like, and what is the lesson there? And I'm like, um, mm-hmm. um yeah, so she, um, so, but it's great. It's great. And, and I, you know, I, I again, as someone who faces her fears, yeah.
1: this was a huge fear for me and what happened? The thought, just the thought of of having the conversation, right? It was would have given me anxiety scared, just having to go in, like, "Hey, I'm thinking about." Yeah. You know, it's almost like you, it. To a degree, you feel like you're breaking up with someone like special. Oh, yeah. It gives you that anxiety. Oh, it was hard. It was really scary, but
0: I I really surprised myself by. Awesome. Up, and I surprised myself because I did it in a way that surprised me where yes. I said to her, you know, this is really hard and really sad yes. because you've cha- you changed my life. You saved my life and you changed it. And you know, I was crying and, of I, you know, and I was I said, well, you know, I just told her how I felt about her and what she oh. had done for me. And it was that I think that a lot of people maybe miss yes. when they're ending something is that, you know, and she. I wanted to make sure I she knew that, and yeah, like I'll tell her again and again. But I think that um, she also wanted to make sure that it wasn't just an, a, an end, but a, sure. a you know, a long
1: like a landing absolutely it's like the uh, when i'm done with my work day and the way my brain is comprised is you have to let me come on the descent so right. if you start knocking at me for something at 5 or 6 that's just not the greatest time right. because i you know and i'm very open about that now instead of biting your head off you know, the older you get, I would, you know, Hey, let me just like land this plane. Uh, we're Mm -hmm. at 10,000. I'll, I'll do it in an hour or so, you know, but just, um, I think that's great. That's such a special relationship. And and to hear you talk about this person's really touching.
0: Yeah. I do want to say though, the original question was, what are my tips for Mm -hmm. anxiety? And I never really gave them, um, but I do want to, I gave my tips about what So I do want to say my great um, for anxiety is that to, if you can get good and it takes time or not. Some people just are like this. Yeah. If you can get good at identifying where your distress is in yeah. your body. Yeah. Um, and start giving a name to what that distress is signifying to you. Yeah. Um, like, oh, we're, ha- we're, I'm about to have a conversation that's going to be hard. And I feel like a tightness in my throat. Yeah. So you link it. You're like, okay, I feel tightness in my throat about talking to this person. So this is fear. Yeah. This is like what happens to me when I'm scared. Yeah. And, um, so, okay. So I'm scared. So, all right. So what do I do when I'm scared? I breathe. Um, and so, you know, you have these sort of techniques for different um, sensations in your body. And okay, usually, great. usually the technique is to breathe. but uh-huh. um, But it's really smart, I think, to start learning how to identify your feelings inside your own body, because yep. you can sit with those feelings and then slowly take your time to put words around them. So you know nope. what you're feeling. And as soon as you know what you're feeling, you can often deal with the, the concreteness of it. You know, when it's yes. just an emotion or just a sort of a, a sensation in your body, it can feel overwhelming. Yes. So you know, the key is to identify the sensation and then to put words to it. Yeah. And once you put the words to it, then you're like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with.
1: Yes, in the conundrum it sounds is it's hard to get clarity in the middle of feeling in major panic. I mean, it just right. it's okay. like it's there all along, but you almost have to like it sounds like just like sit and almost like white knuckle it if you have to and then it
0: right, but the key is to to do this when you're not panicking.
1: Ah. the key
0: is to constantly be assessing your body for yeah. Of sensation and uh, so when you're online and you have to order something yeah all of a sudden you feel like nervous right you would be like okay what is, oh this is nervous nervous i'm nervous i'm right. nervous to order right. oh i'm nervous because i have to speak out loud right okay. so you start slowly getting to identify what it is so that when you're in a panic yeah you can be like oh I'm not dying. I'm have this feeling and that feeling is nervous. Yes. That feel, this feeling is scared. This, you know, it's almost like it's a way to manage what's happening by identifying the sensation instead of giving over to like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm right. You know, because if you're like, Oh, this is familiar. I know what this is. Right. Begin to build a language of sensation. Yeah. Yeah. In your body and create your a vocabulary for these experiences, yeah. then you can really, you're having a, like you're building a, a language for your body yeah. and it'll help you get through really hard, big moments. You know, no, I,
1: I love that. That's, that's so applicable I think I think it's especially too when you I always think there are there are stigmatized emotions like anger sadness and I feel like if you ever feel mm-hmm. these things people are like well just you know don't feel that and I feel sometimes when as soon as those come up right it, it, there's almost this sick conditioning of like oh you know no 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 not gonna look at this right. not gonna
0: is that the no from you or a no from someone else
1: so if that's it a no from someone else
0: Okay, so the no from someone else, I think this is really vital, too. Yeah. Nothing is about you.
1: Nothing. Right, Right. I have to remind myself.
0: Everything that other people don't want you to do is about them. Everything that people do want you to do is about them. It's never about you. It can't be. Right. It can't be. Right. And so... Whenever someone is making you feel like you're feeling the wrong way. Right. Just remind yourself, there's no right way or wrong way to be a human being.
1: Absolutely. So
0: however you are is human. You're, we're all human. So however you feel, whatever you feel, it's 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 part of the human condition. Yes. And because someone else is uncomfortable with it, just means someone else
1: is uncomfortable Uncom- right and that's where it starts and that's where it ends right. you know sometimes you know There's I know with myself I'll pick up a storyline liking to read liking my stories and it's it's easy to run with that when mm-hmm. it's you know it's not oh, that yes. deep as some of my friends say you know mm-hmm. if something upsetting I think I gosh I mean you've pretty much answered what I always like to leave the episode on and that is if there's anyone watching this to those who are watching this today who are who are in the thick of their panic disorder and their anxiety and and they're watching this what advice would you give to those who are hurting the most right now
0: I guess I would say a few things one um just because something feels scary. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's dangerous. Mm. So your panic and your anxiety, it feels dangerous, you right. know, but it's not, it's just a feeling. And mm-hmm. that's where you're confusing the facts for the feelings. So, yeah. so facts and feelings, not the same thing. Yep. Um, and fear is not actually dangerous. It's a feeling. Um, and, also that like you know having anxiety and panic is really about never having been taught how to manage your emotions yeah and never you didn't know you weren't taught or you didn't you didn't learn from the right person or you didn't learn in the right ways or you you know it doesn't matter why really what matters yeah. is that um, your relationships to your emotions, Is not uh, congruent. Mm -hmm. And so the best part about being in that situation is that there's, you can learn how to be Mm self-reliant and how to be strong. And it's not hard to find the resources. They're all over. Yeah. But you know, I would say if you are really suffering, I buy the worry cure. It's amazing. Yeah. Also, Tamar Chansky has great books. Yeah. Um, another tip I'm going to give you. Yeah, please. For those who have suffered, even those who didn't suffer in childhood. Mm-hmm. But I found this really, um, I, I started doing something that that no one else without children does, which is to read books for parents about uh-huh. childhood anxiety. So Ooh. I read parenting books about yeah. childhood anxiety because I had childhood anxiety.
1: Right. Who better to dig right. in?
0: So to read about what I should have gotten yeah. teaches me what to give myself. Yeah. And so I think that that's a really good place to start to, Tamar Chansky has two books. One yep. is freeing your child from anxiety yeah. And that's a great one. I've read that and freeing yourself from anxiety. Yeah. So I think Absolutely. that if you know, you have th- at least these three resources, right. Yes. That you have something concrete to look for- to look forward to and to, to start with. That's, you know, and it gets, it does get, if you work on it. Yep. Y- you'll get better and you'll be stronger for it. And yes. you'll, you know, be richer. You'll be a richer person for it. Emotionally, not financially.
1: <laughs> can't promise
0: that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it hasn't happened to me. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know about that. Um, Amanda, I can't thank you uh, enough for coming on. Uh, when I read your book, I just was propelled to reach out um, and, so, yeah. and ask you to have a conversation with us because I just think you're, you're a very impressive person, but you're a very strong person. And I know that our audience, and and I certainly did, got so much out of our chat today. So thank you again.
0: Thank you so much. This was a real pleasure.
1: Thank you all for joining today's conversation with Amanda. If you visit MedCircle.com, you can access tons of other conversations, including weekly workshops with our credentialed doctors and award-winning video library featuring almost 1,000 educational videos. Become a member of our community today. Visit MedCircle.com to learn more. And thank you for listening to It's All in Your Head.